Chapter 13 of Dawn. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Dawn by Eleanor H. Porter. Chapter 13 Free Verse a la Susan. And persistently, systematically, Susan did, indeed, keep pegging away. No sooner had she roused Keith to the point of accomplishing one task than she set for him another. No sooner could he pilot himself about one room than she invade him into another. And when he could go everywhere about the house, she coaxed him out into the yard. It was harder here, for Keith had a morbid fear of being stared at, and only semi-occasionally would he consent at all to going out. It was then that with stern determination Susan sought Daniel Burton. "'Look a here, Daniel Burton,' she accosted him abruptly. "'I've done all I can now, and it's up to you.' The man looked up, plainly startled. "'Why, Susan, you don't mean you aren't going, are you?' "'Going nothing, shucks,' tossed Susan to one side disdainfully. I mean that Keith ain't going to get that good red blood he's needin' sittin' around the house here. He's got to go off in the woods, and walk, and tramp, and run, and scuff leaves. And you've got to go with him. I can't, can I? The man shifted his position irritably. Do you think that boy will let me lead him through the streets, Susan? Well, I know he won't. I didn't say lead him. I said go with him. There's an awful lot of difference between leadin' and accommodatin'. We don't none of us like to be led, but we don't mind goin' with folks most anywheres. Put your arm into his and walk together. He'll walk that way. I've tried it. And to see him you wouldn't know he's blind at all. Oh, yes, I know you're hangin' back and don't want to. I know you hate to see him or be with him, "'cause it makes you know what a terrible thing it is that's come to you and him. "'But you've got to, Daniel Burton. "'You and me is all he's got to stand between him and utter misery. "'I can feed his stomach and make him do the metaphysical things, "'but it's you that's got to feed his soul and make him do the menial things.' "'Oh, Susan, Susan,' half-groaned the man." There was a smile on his lips, but there were tears in his eyes. "'Well, it's so,' argued Susan earnestly. "'Oh, I read to him, of course. I read him everything I can get hold of, especially about men and women that have become great and famous and extinguished, even if they was blind or deaf and dumb or lame, especially blind. "'But I can't learn him books, Mr. Burton. You've got to do that.' You've got to be eyes for him, and he's got to go to school to you, Mr. Burton. Susan's voice grew husky and unsteady. You got a chance now to paint bigger and grander pictures than you ever did before. Only you won't be paintin' em on canvas backs. You'll be paintin' em on that boy's soul, and you'll be usin' words instead of them little brushes. You've put that very well, Susan. It was the man who spoke unsteadily, huskily now. I don't know about that, but I do know that them pictures you're going to paint for him is going to be the making of him. Why, Mr. Burton, 
we can't have him lazin' behind, cause when he does get back his eyes, we don't want him to be too far behind his class. But what if he doesn't ever get his eyes, Susan? Then he'll need it all the more. But he's going to get em, Mr. Burton. Don't you remember? The nurse said if he got well and strong, he could have something done. I've got the doctor, and all I need now is the money. And, and that makes me think, she hesitated, growing suddenly pink and embarrassed. Then resolutely, she put her hand into the pocket of her apron and pulled out two folded papers. I was going to tell you about these anyhow, so I might as well do it now, she explained. You know, them, them other poems didn't sell much. There was only one went, and the man wouldn't take that till he made me promise he could print my letter, too, that I'd wrote with it, just as if it was worth anything. But he only paid a measly dollar, anyhow. Susan's voice faltered a little, though her chin was at a brave tilt. And I guess now I know the reason. Them kind of poems ain't stylish no longer. Rhymes has gone out. Everything's free verse now. I've been reading up about it. So I wrote some of them. They're real easy to do. Just lines chopped off free and easy anywhere as it happens. Only have some long and some short for notoriety, you know, like this. And she read, a great big cloud that was black came up out of the west, and I knew then for sure that a storm was brewing, and it brewed. Now that was dead easy. Anybody could see that. But it's kind of pretty, I think, too, just the same. Them denatured poems are always pretty, I think, about trees and grass and flowers in the sky, you know, don't you? Why, er, y y yes, of course, murmured the man faintly. I tried a love poem next. I don't write them very often. They're so common. You see them everywhere, you know. But I thought I would try it. T'would be different anyhow in this new kind of verses. So I wrote this. Oh, love of mine, I love thee. Thy hair is yellow like the golden squash. Thy neck so soft and slender like a goose, is encompassed in filtered lace so rich and rare. Thy eyes and thy pallid face like blueberries in a saucer of milk. O oh, love of mine, I love thee. Have you sent any of these away yet, Susan? Daniel Burton was on his feet now, his back carefully turned. No, not yet. But I'm going to pretty quick, and I guess them will sell. Susan nodded happily and smiled, but almost instantly her face grew gravely earnest again. But all the money in the world ain't going to do no good, Mr. Burton, unless we do our part, and our part is to get him well and strong for that operator. Now I'm going to send Keith in to you. I ain't going to tell him he's going to walk with you, because if I did, he wouldn't come. But I'm expectin' you to take him just the same, she finished serenely as she left the room. Keith and his father went to walk. It was the first of many such walks. Almost every one of these crisp November days found the two off on a tramp somewhere, and because Daniel Burton was careful always to accompany, never to lead, 
the boy's step gained day by day in confidence and his face in something very like interest and always for cold and stormy days there were the books at home daniel burton was not painting pictures pigment pictures these days his easel was empty the wood path long since finished had been sent away to be sold most of daniel burton's paintings were sent away to be sold so that was nothing new what was new however was the fact that no fresh canvas was placed on the easel to take the place of the picture sent away daniel burton had begun no new picture the easel indeed was turned face to the wall and yet daniel burton was painting pictures wonderful pictures his brushes were words his colors were the blue and gold and brown and crimson of the wide autumn landscape his inspiration was the hungry light on a boy's face and his canvas was the soul of the boy behind it most assuredly daniel burton was giving himself now heart and mind and body to his son even the lynx-eyed alert susan had no fault to find daniel burton most emphatically was doing his part end of chapter 13 recording by susan burke suburgvoice.com